An estimated two million students in the U.S. play in middle and high school marching bands. Seems pretty safe, but is there an unexpected danger that parents should be concerned about? InfoTrack's Roy Mackey is here with a look. Roy, thanks, Chris. Brian Flagor is the director of diagnostic audiology at Children's Hospital in Boston. You know, I think most parents are now aware of the dangers of iPods that are too loud, but probably most of them would be surprised at the thought that there was anything dangerous about being in the school band. Maybe you can just explain the whole issue. Well, our here. Sees sound as sound, regardless of whether it's an iPod or it's a jackhammer or it's gunfire. If the sound is relatively loud, it's loud enough that you really have to speak very loudly to be heard over it. That means that it's potentially dangerous to the ear and it can do damage. Now, are bands getting louder these days, or has this always been a problem? It's always been a problem. To some extent, there has been an increase in the interest and the competition with some of the marching bands. It is finally coming around to have its day of light in the sun, so to speak. That we know this causes hearing loss, this causes hearing loss, and guess what? Participation in marching band. If you do this long enough, in terms of hours per week and as far as years of participation, it can put some people at risk. Well, you just said if you do it long enough, what is the amount of time where it becomes a danger? You know, it depends from person to person. It's hard to nail that down. Sometimes、it、depends on the instrument that you're playing as well. For instance, percussion, especially snare drum as well as cymbals, that's an especially concerning instrument because the actual peak levels that those can get up to are very, very high. If you're down in front. Say a flute player or a clarinet player, your own instrument isn't necessarily going to do the damage. However, if you're sitting in front of a brass section, it's the instruments right behind you that are going to do it. It's very hard to pin down exactly how long it's going to take before the damage is done. More important is just to kind of have a level of awareness and get things checked out at the beginning and then periodically to see if anything is in fact happening to your hearing. I understand some experts have made measurements of band levels overall in comparison to other loud sounds. Can you give just an example of that? Well, it's pretty typical for marching bands, especially if they're practicing inside in some enclosed space, for the levels to be well over 100 decibels. And 100 decibels is relatively loud, but it's not uncomfortably loud if it's something that you enjoy doing, if it's something that's enjoyable to you. By the best standards that we have for what causes hearing loss, we know that you can be exposed to 100 decibels safely. Up to about 15 minutes, but then over 15 minutes, it's a bit of a concern. You don't want to be exposed to 100 decibels for half an hour, day after day after day. If you were to do that over a course of months to years, then we could start to see some subtle decreases in hearing, and that, of course, can lead to permanent hearing loss that may interfere with your ability to communicate and result in you needing to use hearing aids when you're in your 40s to 50s, as opposed to not needing them till you're in your 60s or 70s. Are there any simple warning signs that a young person can recognize when they could be at risk of hearing loss? Well, a fair amount of people—not everybody, but a fair amount of people—do experience ringing in the ears when they've been overexposed to loud sound, and that's that constant "wee" that is in your ears that you hear and other people don't. That's called tinnitus or tinnitus. As well, you also may experience a little muffling in your hearing. So, if a student experiences either one of those, it really would behoove them to say something to their parents and then go and see an audio. Audiologists to have their hearing checked out and discuss strategies for reducing their risk for noise-induced hearing loss. In most cases, are those effects tinnitus or other effects temporary, or are they permanent? Well, they start off temporary.
temporary. It's one of these things, kind of like a sunburn, so to speak. You're overexposed, and given a little bit of time, it's going to get better, and you'll be okay. Once you do it often enough, though, you can end up with some permanent damage, and that permanent damage really is just that. You can't make it go away. And as far as protection that students can wear during band practice, is that something they need to see an audiologist about, or can they just get ordinary earplugs that they would take to a NASCAR race, for example? Well, it's a tough one. It's a relatively complicated point of whether or not you can actually use earplugs when you're practicing an instrument because the use of those earplugs will change how you are playing because you're not hearing yourself yeah. as well. I really would recommend people at least having a conversation with an audiologist about that and with their band instructor about whether or not this is something that they can do. Possibly what may make more sense is changing up what kinds of music passages are being played, varying it from loud sections to soft sections, and maybe taking a few more listening breaks. Very interesting. Dr. Brian Flagor, the Director of Diagnostic Audiology at Children's Hospital in Boston, thanks for joining us today. You're welcome. For InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mack. That'll do it for this edition of InfoTrack. Thanks to our InfoTrack reporters, Roy Mackey and Taryn McCall. Our executive producer is Randy Meyer. Our announcer is Charlie Van Dyke. And I'm Chris Whitting. Internet services by Pear.com. We're heard on over 450 stations across America and online at TalkZone.com. InfoTrack is produced by Syndication Networks of Chicago. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for another InfoTrack.